Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Hey, if you're new here with us and you don't know me, I'm Robin. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is an honor to have you with us this morning. Um, And we're going to dive into the Word in a moment. But before we do, just this last week, we were going through um, and preparing our financial report for you because as a church, we want you to know where your money goes as tithers and givers in the house. And I was just celebrating as, you know, I'm not the numbers person. Tim is, so he was telling me the numbers. And I honestly was just in awe of what God God has been able to do, not just in this building and in this room and the lives that have been affected, but because of your generosity and your giving, what we've been able to do outside of this church. And I was thinking on this verse, you can put that up on the screen. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I don't want us to just be cheerful in the end after it's been given. I want us to be cheerful in the process of giving because I know for some of you it's a stretch and it's a faith step to be able to give and I want you to give cheerfully so I want to invite you if you haven't stepped out in faith in that way um, that you could be a part of what God's doing here because it's it's less about God wanting your money and he wants your heart and he wants you to partner with what he's doing here so I want to invite you in on that if you haven't been there Um, there's three ways to give around here you can give in our offering boxes around the room you can give online or you can give on the app, but thank you for being a generous church. Come on, you guys are amazing. Give it up for yourselves. Uh, You can look for the financial reports. They'll go out next week or the week after as soon as they're prepared. So um, pay attention for that. But we are in the middle of a series we are calling Pursuit. This is week two. And it all started with this incredible book. You maybe saw these in the lobby or picked this up last week. We're going through this book. It's a 21-day devotional as a church. And it's been really cool to see the things that people have posted, how God has spoke to them through this devotional whether you've posted online or I talked to a few of you, maybe people, there's people, what's really cool about this, who are um, starting to pursue God on their own for the first time. They're new to Jesus and this devotional time has actually been this step-by-step on how to actually pursue after God. So what's really amazing about this is um, I get a little bit emotional thinking about it. And as I've been talking to people about how God's been moving in their life because of this resource, because my pastor wrote this book and I've heard these principles and these teachings over the last 17 years, and it's pretty special that our church, our congregation, uh, gets to be poured into in the same way from my pastor. So if you haven't already, grab one of these. Uh, They they mentioned groups. Our groups will be talking through these and um, be be talking through what God's doing in their lives and in your life. So you can pick this resource up in the lobby. It's just $10. And if for some reason you can't afford that, we want to give you a copy. We believe in it that much. And I think this is an incredible resource to start your ear off strong. So grab that after service. Um, it's a good one. It's a good one. I, who was it? I'll tell you a story later. It's fine. Let's get into the word this morning, shall we? And just, let's just chat guys, grab a cup of coffee. Let's just talk this morning. So this week we are uh, going to talk on the topic of prayer. And if you're looking for a title because you're ready to take notes, you can, uh, I have two titles for you. I have one is pursuit in prayer. 
And then maybe a little bit more fun of a title, you can call this knocking on heaven's door. You can even say knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. However you feel, you can sing it to yourself in your head right now. See, when it comes to pursuing God, pursuing the things of God, I think this topic of prayer is difficult for a lot of people. A lot of people feel a challenge, challenged when it comes to their prayer life. Like, how do I even pray? And for many other ways in pursuing God, maybe it's easy for you to pursue God when it comes to your generosity. You're, you're generous with your, not just money, but your time. You're like, man, I've been on the dream team. Give it up to all our dream team people, come on. You guys are amazing, you're the real deal. Maybe like when it comes to pursuing God, it's easy for me to be generous with my time and give in that way and pursue God in that way. Or uh, where's all the worshipers at in the room? Come on. Or maybe you don't actually sing, but you're like, no, it's easy for me to pursue God in worship. I worship God on the way to work, the whole drive. I sing it up in my car. When I am vacuuming the house, I am worshiping God. It is easy for me. I sing my favorite Hillsong song in the shower acapella. Like it is easy for me to worship. But when it comes to prayer, prayer's a challenge for me. And I think a lot of people come to that place, and I know I've been there in my life as well, where prayer is a challenge. I know it's important for me to pray. I know when I read the word that, that almost every page uh, has the topic of prayer or shows me that I should pray in some way. But why is it so difficult for me to actually do it? I think there's a lot of reasons why we don't pray or why we feel challenged in that way. I think a few of those reasons might be, you have prayed, you've prayed and cried out to God for something, but you haven't seen the answer to that prayer. So you grew weary in it and you're like, mm, I'm not gonna actually put in that much effort anymore because I did and it didn't happen. Or some people would say, wait a minute, I read in the Bible that God is all-knowing. So if he's all-knowing, doesn't he already know what I'm going through? Doesn't he already know what I'm experiencing? So can't he just fix it? Why do I have to pray? Can't he just do it? Or lastly, I think that some people don't pray because they don't actually know who they pray to. They've got a wrong concept of who they're praying to. But my prayer this morning for our church is that we would no longer be, prayer would no longer be a religious requirement for us. It wouldn't be this robotic repetition or this forgotten ritual, but that prayer would become a passionate pursuit for us, not just as a church, but as individuals. One of my favorite uh, things in the Bible to read is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gathered his disciples and he gathered a multitude of people and he brought them together and he taught them a bunch of stuff. He taught them about building a strong foundation for their life. He taught them about their possessions and being generous. He taught them about loving their enemies. And he also taught them how to pray. And maybe we, we call this the Lord's Prayer. Maybe, maybe you have a Catholic background like me and you've recited this and you've memorized this. So come on, all the Catholics in the room, come on. Let's all do this together. Let's say the Lord's Prayer, prayer together. Are you guys ready? Okay. Lift our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
Kierkegaard says, the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I heard a few different translations in there. Well, for many people, that's the extent of their prayer life. Okay, check mark, moving on. That's the extent of their prayer life. But God never intended for us to recite some words. Do you know that prayer is one of the most powerful weapons that you have as a believer? And what God's intention was, he said, let my kingdom come, let my will be done. Do you know that when you pray, that's how the kingdom of heaven comes to earth? It's how the kingdom of God invades our existence in our daily life. Prayer is how doors are opened. It's how miracles happen. Prayer is how the things that we face in our life get changed. Prayer is an incredible thing. And when Jesus taught this prayer, he never intended for us to simply recite it. Instead, he wanted us to use it as a roadmap so that we could realize that the effectiveness of our words can change some things. That through our words and through our interactions, we can actually call down heaven and we can shift some stuff here on this earth. And just like, have you ever gotten that Hallmark card and it says the like typed caption, but then all we simply see is like someone signing their name at the bottom. Like there's no personal message. Those irritate me. I'm like, cool, give me a high five instead. Like God, just like we don't wanna receive that hallmark message that was pre-typed, sent out to many people, God doesn't want just your simple ritual prayer. He wants a personal message from you. He wants your personal words. Because do you know what happens when we use our real words? We develop passion. And passionate prayer, you can write this down if you're taking notes, passionate prayer is effective prayer. And it can shift some stuff in our life. As Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount and all these different topics, he went on to say, some more stuff about prayer. He talked about it in chapter six, but then he brings it up again in chapter seven, and we'll go there in just a second. Why did he bring it up two times? It's that important. He's like, hey guys, again, I wanna tell you something. This is how you should pray, and here's what happens. Here's what it looks like when you do pray. So this morning, I want us to look at this because I think that this is what effective prayer looks like. You guys can turn with me to Matthew chapter seven or you can check it out on the screen. It says, ask and the gift is yours. Seek and you'll discover. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For every persistent one will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he longs for. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. Do you know of any parent who would give his hungry child who asked for food a plate of rocks instead? Or when you ask for a cheeseburger, what parent would offer his child a snake instead? Or whatever, falafel, whatever you want, okay? Whatever you want to eat. What parent would do that? Verse 11 says, if you, imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how much more is your heavenly father to give wonderful gifts to those who ask? 
I think that there are three powerful aspects of effective prayer. And I want to draw those out this morning. I'm going to give them away right now. They are ask, seek, and knock. The first one that I want us to look at is the ask portion of this effective prayer. I've been a parent for over nine years now, and I've come to realize that the number one job description of a parent is to meet the needs of their children. That when the children need something that we're there, when they ask, when they say, you know, mom, I need this, like it's our number one job, not just to care for them and keep them alive, but to be there for them. My daughter, Ellie, before she could even learn to talk, she learned some sign language. And when she was hungry, she would either crawl or kind of waddle into the kitchen and she'd point to the counter and she'd do this. This meant more, more. And I'm like, sis, you ain't got nothing in your hand. What do you mean you want more? But she, that was her way of saying, I'm hungry. A girl after my own heart, constantly in the kitchen, pointing to the cabinet, more, more. Or we notice with kids, they ask us for help because they're small and the world is big to them. So they come to us like, will you help me tie my shoe? Will you help me reach this thing? Will you help me with this toy? And Most of the time, it's our joy to help our kids. It's our joy. It's my joy to be able to say yes to my kids when they ask for something. Mostly ice cream. When my kids come to me and say, mom, can we go out for ice cream? It's my joy to say yes, because I love ice cream too. And it's also my joy for that because ice cream isn't just a simple outing for us. Ice cream is a tradition. It's like a ritual in our family. My dad brought me up in the way I should go and the way I should go is to eat ice cream. And that was mine and my dad's thing growing up. When my dad had a day off or it was in the evening when he got off work early, I'd ask him, dad, can we go get some ice cream? Do you know, I cannot remember one single time my dad refused me of ice cream. I'm sure it happened, but in my recollection, he always said yes. So we jump in the car and we drive to the thrifty and I would get my rainbow sherbet or my mint chip, or if it was a really special day, we'd drive a little bit further across town to Foster's Freeze, and I would get my vanilla dipped in chocolate. I want one right now. Can we get that later? Where, how close? Anyone know about Foster's Freeze? Not here, right? And my dad would always say yes. See, I don't think my dad said yes to me because he loved ice cream, although I'm sure that was part of it but I think my dad said yes to me because he loved me and he loved that I asked. And it wasn't just that he got to give me ice cream. It was that my dad got to spend time with me. It wasn't just us eating our ice cream. It was the car ride, the 10 to 15 minutes it took to drive to and from the ice cream shop. Now, I know you're in the room this morning and when it comes to your prayer life, you have bigger prayers to ask than ice cream. But in the theme of asking, I wanna ask you a couple questions this morning when it comes to the ask part of our effective prayer. The first one is, do you know who you're asking? Do you know who you're asking? See, as I talk about my dad, I know that the contrasting story in the room is that some of you didn't have a father that was there for you like my dad. He didn't give you ice cream, much less was he anywhere around to be there for you in your life. He either was non-existent or he maybe was there, but not really present or not there to fill your needs. So 
I know what some of you have experienced. And I know in this age of being a believer that many times we can take how we've been treated by our earthly father and we can project that onto our heavenly father. And I believe that the enemy, I know he wants to destroy families, right? His job description is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to destroy families. Do you know what, what part of the family that he wants to destroy most? It's the father-child relationship. The reason for that, I think, is because he knows if I can distort your thoughts towards your earthly father, I'm going to make you think wrong of the heavenly father. Because maybe your dad was angry. Maybe he was non-existent. Maybe he was, was distracted and never had time for you. But that is not the heavenly father. And in Matthew chapter seven, when Jesus describes the heavenly father, do you know what he talks about him as? Here's the characteristics of the heavenly father. He depicts him as a loving and attentive, a present and eager to assist you, loving God. He's a personal God. That's why Jesus says, hey, if your earthly father knows how to give you ice cream, how much more does your heavenly father wanna give you? And I love the way the Passion Translation says it, wonderful gifts, wonderful things in your life. But in order to operate in effective prayer, we first have to have a proper understanding of the character of God. Because in order to know who we're praying to, in order to have effective prayer, we must know the affection of the one that we're seeking, the one that we're praying to. So that's the first thing that we have to get right when it comes to effective prayer. Do you know the character of your father? The second question I have for you is, when it comes to the ask, are you asking him first? Because I know how it is. Man, you probably have a great group of small group people around you. You've got great pastors. <sighs> You've got great friends. You've got this community of great people around you who have good advice, who have um, good thoughts for your life and ways to advise you. But are you asking your heavenly father first? Because I know our intention. I know we wanna serve God and we wanna listen to him, but we find ourselves running to everyone else before we run to him and ask him what he thinks. Sometimes we run to the Facebook friend. Who knows, maybe you run to the stranger on Muni, like, what do I do about this? What should I do? And I think sometimes we do that because we think we don't have the same access to God. I want to remind you today, you have the same access to God as I do. You have the same direct line as your group leader. And if you're trying to search for the answers to your ask, the greatest person to ask God for you is you. He wants to tell you. But we have to ask him first. Praise God for me and Tim and your group leader and your friend and even maybe the stranger on Muni. Maybe we all have great direction for you and we can pray with you and hear from God with you. But let our voices be the, the, the confirming and affirming word, not the first word. Hear him first. Ask him first. So first, we need to ask him. But second, we need to learn to seek him. Because when it comes to asking him, I'm just gonna tell you one more thing. 
He is eager to listen to you. He's available. Do you know in the middle of the night when that thought pops in your head and you get anxious and you don't know what to do? I mean, please don't call your friend and wake them up. Ask God, he's right there. He's available. He's available in the middle of the meeting when you're sitting there with your boss and you don't know what to do about that situation. He's there in the middle of the dire situation where you don't know what to do. He is available if we'd ask him. And next, we've got to learn to seek him. Seeking is different than asking because seeking something takes longer than asking for something. Here's the definition of seeking. You can put this on the screen. To seek means to search for and not stop. To continue a quest until the object of our seeking has been obtained and to create a well-worn path. You don't, oh, you do have that, praise God. To create a well-worn path to the person or object we are in search of. I love that, that well-worn path. How many of you in the room is, have played an exciting game of hide-and-seek lately? No, just me? Probably just the parents with small children and the nannies in the room. Woohoo, nannies. Good job playing hide-and-seek with all those kiddos. Well, if you came over to my house this afternoon and I was like, we're gonna play hide and seek, it's gonna be so much fun. Like we all, that'd be kind of awkward, right? There'd not be that many places for all of us to hide. But if you came over, you'd notice that we've got a little bit of a biddle spin on the game of hide and seek. So if we were, you know, say it's me who's counting, as soon as I'm done counting and I go out in search of the hiders, you would hear me say this, yoo-hoo. Yoo-hoo! Sounds pretty creepy in this room, right? You'd hear me call that out. And now the hider's job is to respond, whether you're a tiny kid or a grown man. Here's Tim's version. Yoo-hoo. Yoo-hoo. And the whole reason we respond is so that the seeker can know which direction to go in. Am I getting warmer? Are they in this space? What area are they in? And the reason we did that is because we found that our children didn't like not knowing where their parents were. They wanted to know where we were at and we wanted them to know, hey, we're only one yoo-hoo away. See, prayer and the biddle way of seeking is very similar to the reality of God because it does take a pursuit. Seeking after God takes a pursuit. It may take some practical, practical pursuit in your life of setting the alarm and waking up early so you can actually spend time seeking him or pushing aside some other agendas and spending some time going, I'm gonna say no to this so I can say yes to him. It does take some effort, but I want you to know as sons and daughters of God that it's not a question of whether you'll be able to find him because the seeker always finds him. It's a promise in his word. Yes, it takes effort and yes, it takes focus. But the Bible says in James chapter four, if you draw near me, yoo-hoo, I'm gonna draw near you. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Yoo-hoo, I'm right here. There is a promise and a confidence that we should have. But the error in our seeking most of the time is that we're seeking after something and not someone. 
We're after the answer to our ask and not the one who holds all the answers. So many times we, the seeking part of prayer isn't about that someone, but it needs to be. It's about someone and not something. Do you know that your heavenly father, he wants to spend time with you. God is not a spiritual vending machine where we're like, hey, God, yeah, I need that. Okay, can you, money please. Okay, I need that. God, I need that. I'll take, okay, bye, I'll see you in two weeks when I need you again. That is not God. He says, seek my face and our hearts should respond. Lord, your face, it's I seek. Maybe it's the thing that you're asking for, the thing you so desperately need in your life that draws you to seek him. Oh, but he loves in the seeking that you draw close to him. And it's the time in the waiting. It's the time where you finally crack open your word and you say, I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna listen. God, what is it? I don't know where it's at, but you know what? I'm gonna search for it. And you begin thumbing through your Bible And maybe it is the answer that you find, but you find out a whole lot more about him in the process, about his character, about his love for you, about the depth of how much he cares for you. The whole reason for the seeking, the whole reason Jesus came to the earth was so that he could make a way so you didn't have to be distant from God. Yet so many of us, Never spend that time in the seeking. It's not just the ask, but it's the pursuit in the ask where you find. It's like my dad, when we drive to the ice cream shop, he knew we were gonna go get ice cream and that was, that was the answer for me, but it was the car ride. Do you know God's sometimes more interested in the car ride with you than he is in handing you that ice cream cone? And it's in the seeking that we get to find him and get to know who he truly is. Because to seek him is to truly know him. Just this last uh, month for Christmas break, Tim mentioned it last week, we took our kids to Southern California for our our Christmas present to them. And there was a lot of waiting. There's waiting in the car. It took us far longer to get there than it needed to. There's a lot of waiting in lines for roller coasters. I love roller coasters and I wanted to ride all of them even if my kids didn't. There's a lot of waiting. And Tim may have been frustrated with the waiting, but I found something interesting in this time of waiting. See, when my kids weren't watching a movie or I wasn't listening to a podcast on the way there, I found out some new stuff about my daughter, Ellie. She is not a huge talker. She won't tell me everything. But in the waiting, as we're waiting to get to our destination, I found out more about her. She started telling me about school. I started finding out things about what her and her friends do and what her interests are. I enjoyed that because I got to know her in the waiting. Then we went to the theme park and we stood in line for the roller coaster. The roller coaster was the destination. We were, that was the reason we were in line. But in the waiting, I got to have fun with my kids and we joked around. I found out that my daughter, Livy, is like Gumby and she's like super stretchy. And we found, figured out that she can take her arms and she can hug herself 
and she can get her arms wrapped all the way around her back so that her fingertips touch. Never knew that about her. Found out something new about her in the waiting. Come on, it's in the waiting. In the waiting, it became less about what I was waiting for and more about who I was waiting with. Come on, it's in the seeking that we find out more of who God is and how he loves us. And it's in that relationship in the seeking that we find him. And when you start seeking, when you start leaning into God in your prayer life, I guarantee that you will never turn back because you'll start to hunger after that waiting and that seeking time with him. And you'll never approach your prayer life the same. So first we ask, then we seek. And number three is, then we knock. The gospel of Luke contains another one of Jesus's teachings about asking and seeking and knocking. But along with it, there's this great parable that talks about the passion prayer pursuit a little bit further. I'm gonna read this out to you guys. You can follow along on the screen. In this parable, it says, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You guys can relate to this, right? You did that last week. Like, Priscilla, I need three loaves of bread. Can you hand me? Yeah, I know it's midnight, no big deal. You do that all the time, right? So you say to your friend, a friend of mine just arrived for a visit. They just flew into SFO. They just got here. It was unexpected, but they came for a visit and I've got nothing to feed them and all the restaurants are closed. So suppose your friend whose door you're knocking on calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. What the heck is wrong with you? It's midnight. The door's locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. There is so much we can unpack in this story. But for the sake of time and today's message, I want us to look at two things from this story. I want us to look at the bread, here's the bread, and the knocking. You're like, why, are it, why do you have a loaf of bread on the ground? <laughs> I just keep it there for just in case. That's it. It was Priscilla. She was really hungry this morning. So the bread represents, I'm gonna put it over here. Here's the bread. It represents the answer to your prayer that you've been asking. Here's your ask and this bread represents the answer. I know some of the things that people in this very room have been asking of God. Some of the prayers that they've been praying. I know some of you who have been praying for a baby, you've been trying to conceive for a long time and you're in that season of asking and waiting and the answer still hasn't come. I know others of you in the room who have a diagnosis and a sickness that you're walking through daily and you've been asking to be delivered of this. You've been asking for healing. I know others who've been praying for prodigal sons and daughters for a long time and you're still in the middle of that ask. And some of us have been knocking on the door for a long time, for months or years or decades. And I know sometimes we can get weary in the knocking. We can get weary in the asking. I know for me, there's been things in my life that I've asked God for and they didn't come in the timeline that I expected. 
So where I once was persistent and knocking, I began to be weary. And some of you are in that season. You're in that season of delay where you've been waiting and you've grown weary. And I think some of you have even gone silent on that knocking. But I'm here this morning to remind you that even though you've been in that season, the bread that you so desperately need, the answer you've been waiting for, the child you've been praying for, the sickness you've been waiting to be delivered of, the freedom that you need, that thing is just on the other side of the door. It may feel like it's an eternity away, but it's just on the other side of the door. And all you need to do is start knocking again. Church, just start knocking again. Because I figured out something about knocking. It doesn't take skill. It just takes persistence. You don't need a Bible degree to know how to knock. Like, you could knock like this. And it could be like one of those like, God, will you help me, please? Or it can sound fancy. Some of your prayers sound fancy. But the thing about knocking is it doesn't take any skill. It just takes persistence. It just takes a persistence to keep knocking. And I'm here to remind you that it, you're not standing in front of a wall. This is not a wall. Walls are meant to stay up. You're standing in front of a door. You know the thing about doors? Doors are meant to be opened. There's opportunity with a door. Stop looking at the door in your knocking as if it is a wall. It is a door. And it's not a door with a padlock and a chain. You're going to change your perspective about that door. Look at it as the opportunity for God to move. And it's in the persistence of our knocking that it opens. I want to ask you this morning, what did you stop praying for? What have you stopped believing for and knocking for? Jesus said to his disciples, always pray and never give up. I speak that over your prayer this morning. Always pray and don't give up. I don't know what you've given up on, but would you start knocking again? Come on, it's not hard to knock. And if you've grown weary in your knocking, I wanna remind you today that if your earthly father knows how to good give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father wanna give good things to you? You are not knocking on the door of a God who says, I'm not listening. You're not knocking on the door of a friend who is annoyed that you showed up to their house at midnight. You are knocking on the door of a heavenly father to say, I'm here again. I showed up again. Remember me, let's hang out and knock and knock. Don't go weary in the knocking, but I pray that we would have something in us this year that says, I'm gonna knock again. Band, you guys can come up as we close. Here's my appeal to you, church, this year, in 2020, this second week of 2020, this opportunity of new beginnings. Don't let the pursuit of prayer become something that's a ritual, a dead ritualistic prayer. And don't stop knocking. 
Let's keep it simple this year when it comes to our pursuit and prayer. Let's knock, let's seek, and let's ask. Keep it simple this year. And you're asking, know that you're approaching a God who loves you, the one who holds all the answers. In your seeking, approach him to seek after someone and not just something. And I believe you're gonna get to know him this year in a greater way, a greater depth. Come on, that we wouldn't just ask, but we would seek. And with everything that you're facing, every unanswered prayer, I believe with you and I won't stop knocking with you, but you gotta knock first. That we would knock until our arm grows weary. That we would knock until our knuckles get bloody to say, I'm gonna knock until. God, I'm gonna believe until. There's some things that I have locked up in my heart of prayers that I've prayed that I haven't seen come to pass yet. Do you know what my thought on that is? I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna believe, I'm gonna knock. God, I'm gonna believe for it that you would open up that door because you're able. God, I'm gonna knock. Whether I see that come to pass or I see you face to face, I will not give up. I will not stop believing. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.